Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. From Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, what a game for the Ohio State Buckeyes. There were a lot of sweaty palms. For the Ohio State Buckeye fans that made the trip to the to the uh, Midwest, but Ohio State escapes. They did enough, and frankly, the defense ruled the day again. How about a second consecutive week with four field goals from Noah Ruggles? Plenty to break down. It's our instant analysis post game show. Ohio State twenty six, Nebraska seventeen. Let's get it rolling here, Buckeye breakdown. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside our live streaming post-game show. I'm Brendan Gulick, along with Andrew Lind and our coach, Tommy Zagorski, who are both back at home. Uh, I'm sure I have the worst internet connection of the three of us, so if for some reason I kick out, we've still got you covered. We're going to do our best to cross our fingers that our technology works out the way we'd hope. Guys, this was definitely uh, not a comfortable day. I have to admit, I only for maybe two minutes felt like this game wasn't going to go Ohio State's way. It was very brief, where all of a sudden you get that sinking feeling that maybe this is going to be a bad day. Even though it was an uncomfortable day for the most part, I love the way the defense played. Why don't we start there? With the exception of literally two busted coverages, the defense was fantastic again today. Yeah, I think, you know, if we look back to how they played in in the Oregon game, you know, six, seven weeks ago to where they are today, there's a significant difference. I think that that was one of the reasons that I felt like Ohio State wasn't ever going to lose this game was just because of how the defense was playing. And I think I I, I kind of got that same feeling that you did. Um, toward the end of the fourth quarter, Nebraska had just gotten the ball back. Ohio State wasn't really doing anything with it. They were only down six. And then Ohio State forced them into a three and out, punted the ball. And then Nebraska really never got the ball back after that, you know, and, and that was the thing I think that Ohio State has really stepped up defensively. And they really did look like a different team when Steel, Ch- Steel Chambers came on the field um, in the second half as well. And I think that, you know, I think he ended up ultimately being a very big difference in the game. Um, and then that was kind of, um, you know, pointed off by the fact that he had the interception at the end. Yeah, Andrew, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, it was exciting to see Steel Chambers back out there to start the second half off, you know, for the Buckeyes. And still, Chambers adds this this new sense of energy, I think, for this defense. He's so athletic. He runs sideline to sideline so well. He tries to hawk the ball every time he's in uh, on a tackle. He's trying to knock it out. You know, Cody Simon had, had a phenomenal game. You know, was able to get, I think, he led the Buckeyes in tackles for the day. And But really, the, for me, the guys that really stood out were, Tar- I mean, Tariq Smith is just getting better and better every week. Um, we joked earlier in the week seeing nine one one out there uh, with Ian Harrison, and those guys really have become better players, you know, for the Buckeyes. And it's good to see them mature. It's good to see Zach take that leadership role. Uh, they both ended up getting sacks. You know, Ronnie Hickman gets a sack. You know, 
and then and Javante Jean Baptiste. I mean, he, I mean, he's just not only fun to say, but fun to watch him play. And and Jack Sawyer just grows every week. It's this defensive line has just been so good for them at this point, and really fun to watch. So as you're watching those guys, I think it's encouraging uh, to see it from that standpoint um, as we're looking. So um, it, it's interesting to see the Buckeyes continue to grow, continue to develop. Uh, and continue to keep going uh, back forward with that. So um, as you see it and, and you're seeing them grow, it's going to see this defense continue to go uh, as they go with it. So we should be in good shape there. How about um, Paris Johnson? I mean, I don't mean to single guys out necessarily, but I, I did see right in the chat right away the, the first comment was about Paris Johnson. Um, you know, he I, I think it's fair to say right now he's got to figure it out at right guard. And, and Z, maybe you can talk to this because of your experience both coaching and playing on the offensive line. You know, there's been a lot of rotation. We've seen, for the most part, six linemen playing fairly regularly. Um, Dewan Jones today, you know, was feeling ill before the game started. He came in after a couple series on the bench. I'm, I'm glad he was feeling better. But, um, you know, I, I, I wonder if there's anything to the thought process that, the rotation of the offensive lineman could be holding, you know, holding the team back. Is that a fair thing to think? It is. It looks back at any time in any position in this game, when you have to rotate guys, that means you don't have a guy. And what I mean by not having the guy, you don't have the starter, the guy that you think is just going to be the one that takes off and does it pretty well. And I think when you saw this today, Paris Johnson, he played high all day. His power angles were bad. And what I mean by power angles, his knees, his hips, and really his upper body just weren't in conjunction with one another. He wasn't striking people. He didn't move his feet off the line of scrimmage when he was running after people. Um, you know, and last week against Penn State, the, Paris Johnson hit a streak there in the third quarter where he played probably his best football in about three weeks. It didn't come today, and he was overmatched. Um, you know, the Stilly kid and, and the other defensive tackles that Nebraska kept rotating in uh, really did a nice job of being physical and being relentless on him. You know, even at Thayer Mumford, he struggled at times to guard today as well. Uh, you know, that, that strip sack at the end of the game, as you go see that, you know, those are different things that this Ohio State offensive line can't afford to do with Purdue, with Michigan State, and with Michigan coming down the stretch. Uh, I know, and I hate to pull the, you know, talk about something three weeks from now, but, you know, what we saw today on the defensive line, Michigan's defensive line is significantly better uh, than what we saw today. And these guys are going to have to grow up very quickly. You can't expect Travion Henderson to just go off and have these explosive runs off of one cut and that cut uh, from that standpoint. And when that happens, it really limits the team. And because of that play inside, Ryan Day couldn't call it a whole game. And I know Andrew and I have talked about this before. It's hard to watch this team when Ryan Day doesn't have the confidence in the running ability of the team. And we became so one-faceted. You're putting too much on C.J. Stroud. You know, he's he's stressing. He's trying to get the ball downfield. Um, there's a lot of things that come with it, and I know it starts up front. We talk about that all the time. And when you can't effectively run the football when you need to run the football, it really hampers your ability to be the offense that really Ohio State has the potential to be. Yeah, and to that, the, the Buckeyes, Andrew, I was just going to say that the Buckeyes, I mean, they essentially abandoned the run. You know, C.J. Stroud threw for 405 yards, but, like, it, it felt like the quietest 405 yard, you know, throwing day ever because 75 of them came on one play. And while there were certainly some good throws offensively, um, it just felt like Stroud was under such duress. Trevion Henderson went 21 carries for 92 yards. Um, you know, as a team, it, it just felt a little one-sided and today it was good enough. But if you look forward at, at the defenses that are coming, Purdue's defense is the real deal. Michigan State and Michigan are very good teams. 
whoever you might see in a Big Ten championship game, and you know you're going to see a good defense if a team makes the college football playoff, it's only going to get harder from here. Yeah, and to the point about it being really quiet, if you look back to the Oregon game, you know, he threw 54 times then as well, had over 400 yards passing, and, you know, they, they just looked discombobulated in that game as well offensively, and I'd say it was the same thing here. You know, I've always, like, looked at Ohio State offensively, and especially since Ryan Day got there. Ohio State's best offense is when they're very balanced and then also when the quarterback is willing to run for extra yards when need be. And I think that that's a whole different conversation that I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. But I think that the, the idea that you're throwing the ball 50-plus times versus only running the ball less than 20, you, you, you're just not going to win a lot of games with that, that kind of mentality. And you know, I understand, to Tommy's point, the, the, the guards weren't playing great. And I do wonder, you know, if a lot of that has to do with, you know, they, they talked a lot about before the season about trying to get the five best offensive linemen on the field at a time. And I wonder if the, the conversation then becomes, is it the five best players at those individual positions or is it just the five most talented, you know, the five biggest, the five most athletic players? And then that's when you're going to run into problems where, you know, Paris Johnson is playing too high. Well, of course, he's going to play very high. He's six foot eight. You know, guards aren't typically that tall, and that's going to make it very difficult for him to stay low. And then when he's he's faced up against a defensive tackle who is one of the better players in the conference who's going to be much lower than he is, that's going to be a struggle. So I think that that's something that, you know, it's not really great nine games into the season to kind of be assessing these as you hit November and you say November's when you should be playing your best ball. But I do wonder, you know, should Matt Jones be starting I wonder if they would be playing differently if Harry Miller was healthy. And it, those are just questions that, you know, I think they don't really have an answer to at this point. They have to go with what they've done. But you, you're going to require more out of those players in those positions. Absolutely. And I think when you look at that group and you try to put it together, um, I've been part of units where you have five guys that play or six guys that play or seven guys that play that rotate in. But realistically, you have to have the mindset that, Paris Johnson's got to be able to displace a three technique if he's going to play guard at Ohio State. Whoever that person is, they have to be able to do that. Whoever's going to be able to play up front and be able to run the football and give Brian Day the ability to be balanced, it's going to be really important to make sure um, that going forward this week that, you know, really stud and, and, and Kevin Wilson, I don't think a lot of people know this outside the facility. Kevin Wilson has a lot to say with what this happens on this offense, especially what happens with the offensive line. He's got a great eye for talent for it. I, I really think that, you know, there's going to be some long, hard talks, you know, probably on this plane ride home, probably when they get back and watch this film. And they're going to discuss, you know, what is the best elixir for them to be able to run the football, protect C.J. Stroud, and let these historic passing games be great, but also complement them with these really, really nice running games um, as we go into it. And, you know, that's where, you know, C.J. Stroud, as he went through today's game, he struggled at times. But, you know, like Brennan said, it was a quiet 400-plus yards. He threw to Jackson Smith and Jagba more than anybody in the history of Ohio State football today. I mean, there were some moments in this game where you look back at it and you go, wow, this game, the, it could have exploded. It's 17-3 to in that first half. It looked at like that moment where it was like, okay, this is where Ohio State's going to pull away and do what they've done to a lot of the lower echelon teams in the Big Ten. But kudos to Nebraska. They worked hard. They fought back into it. They scored. They hit on a big explosive play. Um, and, and they did turn the ball over until late in the game. And when that happened – um, it really kept them in the game. The past weeks, Nebraska has turned the football over a lot 
and 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 really um, today they did not, and it, w- it was interesting to see them hang with the Buckeyes like they did. But like we said off the air, this is the biggest loss for Nebraska to date this season. These guys and Brennan brought brought it up in the opener. They hang with they hung with Oklahoma, they hung with Michigan, they hung with Michigan State. I mean, these guys hang with everybody because they're a tough, physical team. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what what they do with Scott Frost going forward. But they are so close. And we we just beat a three and seven team. But I don't know if this three and seven team, I don't know if there's a better three and seven team in the country right now. And I'm not trying to be the Buckeye apologetic because uh, Ohio State needs a lot of work. Purdue is going to be a tough game next week. Michigan State's going to be a really hard game. And Michigan's going to be a tough game as well. So, you know, going forward, it's going to be important that they figure out who those five guys are up front and play those five. Quit rotating. Play the five that you know can help you win. That way, Travion Henderson can get in his realm, what he needs to be able to do. Let C.J. Stroud set his feet. I did like the speed option today. Um, I know that he didn't get it on the first one, but the second one, it was an easy way to get a first down later. Uh, But I still would love to see C.J. Stroud get to the line of scrimmage. If there's five yards in front of him, just go get five yards and slide down, and let's live to see another down uh, from that standpoint with the uh, with the Ohio State offense. I thought it was really I, I interesting, though, you know, to to run a speed option in that situation against Nebraska, which is historically known for that. So it was interesting to see that layer get added in today. There's and we've talked about this before on here with I know with Brendan and um, you know as well. I think there's a little bit of arrogance with Ryan Day, whoever they are playing, meaning they Ohio State, whoever we're playing. He wants to do something that they do. Indiana gets Jeremy Rucker done early, or gets him involved early in the pass game. Why? Peyton Hendershot's just like preseason, all everything tight end. You know, you go to Nebraska, what do you do? You run the speed option. You know, it's just kind of little things where I think Ryan Day, it's a little bit of the competitiveness and maybe a little bit of the inner cockiness of our, of our head coach that I, that I kind of like. I kind of like seeing it. Um, but, uh, you know, as you say, they executed later um, in the second half on that third, and I think it was a third and two down to the right side of the field. Uh, where they were able to, you know, execute on it, get Travian, Hen- Travian Henderson out there. Those are low risk. Those are low risk for C.J. Stroud and, and can be high efficient plays going forward. I mean, I don't want to go too much further without talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba because he's been ridiculously good. But for the sake of continuing what we're talking about here, I'm trying to figure out how to digest this win because – you know, we got really locked into Ohio State's offense on this historic trajectory, just blowing the doors off of Big Ten teams and feeling like who in the world is going to stop this team. You look at the last two weeks, the red zone efficiency offensively has stunk. It's been really, really poor. Now, you're at least kicking field goals. It's not like you're walking away with nothing. But in, in really good games that have everything on the line, you got to get six or seven. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm trying to balance my thoughts around, hey, it's a win. You knew coming into this game that Nebraska had played Oklahoma, Michigan, Michigan State close. They hadn't lost a game by more than, than um, eight points, one possession losses the whole year. So in some regards, a nine-point loss is their worst loss of the year. But like, you know, we kind of expected this game to be tight, and, and I certainly thought the game was going to be lower scoring. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how I feel about where this team is right now because it's it's easy to say, hey, they're winning, they're getting better, etc. But it has certainly felt like last week against Penn State and this week against Nebraska, things have ratcheted up quite a bit, and it's hard to walk away from the game feeling as positive as we did for a month in a row. Yeah, and, you know, to, to that point, I think 
when you look back at the Penn State game, there was built-in excuses to that game about, you know, Penn State being the most difficult defense that they'd faced to that point. You know, and they expected certain challenges. And then I think there's also built-in excuses for today's game as well about how they have, you know, how Nebraska has played teams in the past. But if you look at those games, is Oklahoma necessarily as good as what they they should be? No, they obviously have, you know, inconsistency as inconsistencies on offense that had led to that situation. And then you look at the Michigan game, they should have beat Michigan. Like there's no, there's no reason that they should have lost that game. I think it was just a matter of Martinez making critical mistakes in, in a late game situation. And then Michigan state, you know, they, they, that was, I think that was the game to where Nebraska should have, could have won that as well. That obviously went into overtime. But I think, like I said, you know, there, there are built in excuses to these games, but at the same time, it is spread out over two games. It's starting to become a trend, especially when it comes to the red zone offense and the red zone struggles. And I think that you obviously have to focus on that and make that, you know, kind of end that trend moving forward. Like, there, there's clearly something there that needs fixed, and I, I, I don't think you want to just excuse the game because of, of how Nebraska has played teams in the past. Andrew, I agree with you a thousand percent. This red zone offense is has been not what it needs to be these last two games, and the reason being, Ohio State can't run the football like they did at the beginning of the season. When they lack the ability to run the football in the low red zone, they become one-dimensional. Teams are allowed to drop into coverage. They know C.J. Stroud's not going to run. He's not going to take off. So now you're sitting back. You can drop. You can really drop seven or eight guys in the coverage down in the red zone if you can't run the football effectively. And, and when Ohio State gets into 12 personnel and they bring in the extra tight ends, and you know today they got into 22, and you know they bring in the fullback and they bring in the two tight ends and they're trying to get to it. You know it, it's it's hard to see that. And you know Trayvon Henderson got that first down. They ran the duo play off the right hand side, and and I know the TV guy today he gave a big shout out to Jeremy Rucker because he drove the guy, you know, down to the opposite a gap, uh, which was great to see, but that's where Trayvon Henderson has got to make that safety miss. When you run that play, he's going to read the Mike linebacker and that Mike linebacker dove inside, which Henderson made the right cut. He's got to now go make that play. And I think he's banged up a little bit. We all know that we've seen him. He's getting more yards. Um, he's getting more carries. I mean, he is carrying the load right now and he's not getting the hits that he was getting three, four yards down the field. He's sometimes getting him a yard in the backfield or right at the line of scrimmage. And it's been a little bit more difficult for him to kind of have those explosive runs. I really hope that next week against Purdue, um, with even though their defense is pretty good, I'm hoping to see him kind of come back to that point uh, where he could actually give the Buckeyes a little bit more of that home run threat. Because uh, re- right now he, he, he's beat up. Um, and, you know, and I say that he accounted for 145 yards for Ohio State today. Um, you know, really, you take Trayvon Henderson, uh, Jackson Smith and Jagba, and Chris Olave out of the game plan. Um, you know, really, we're sitting here talking about, you know, hopefully the Buckeyes are going to make the Outback Bowl. So I, I think what you see right now, it's, a, it's an interesting group um, as, they're, as they're fighting through this and working their way into it. Uh, but realistically, I, I really need we, we need to see them run the football down there. And I know Ryan Day is going to talk about it. Kevin Wilson is going to talk about it. You know, Stud's going to talk about it. Their whole staff is going to fight and talk about this um, as they go forward with this. But it's really important that they're able to do that. And one of the things looking back at at the beginning of the season – the amount of home run hits that the Buckeyes were able to hit on, on big explosive plays. You know, the big one today with Jackson Smith and Jagba, Chris Olave's effort was outstanding running downfield, being the lead blocker on it. Um, it's been really fun to watch him. And Chris Olave is a guy that could easily be pouting right now because he's not getting as many touches as probably he had hoped right now. 
Uh, but he is opening up the game plan for everybody else right now, which is exciting. But what you'd love to see, you'd love to see is the ability of this team to maybe hit on one or two more of those. And they're trying. I think they struggled a little bit. You know, C.J. Stroud threw that, those two interceptions today, which were both on him. Uh, it's sad to see that. He, he hasn't made those types of decisions really all season. Um, so I think there's a little bit of stress there, an inner stress that, you know, they were scoring video game-like numbers, and now they're kind of coming back down to a more pedestrian Big Ten offense. And, and they're really going to have – if you want to be a Big Ten team, you want to go play in Indianapolis, you have to run the football effectively. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and um, it's not going to get easier to run the ball because Purdue's rush defense in particular has been solid. Michigan State's played great defense this year, and, and Michigan's strength of their defense is their defensive line. So the Buckeyes are going to have to figure it out um, if they want to find themselves back in, in some really, really meaningful games and on the right side of the equation there. All right, we have not done Jackson Smith and Jigba Justice. We've gone 20 minutes. We've mentioned his name a couple times. He was a cheat code today. And, and I mean, seriously, I think maybe the best single move I've seen all year was on his 75-yard touchdown pass. You shouldn't catch a hitch route in the Big Ten and break somebody's ankles and then score 75 yards beating the rest of the guys up the field. That was that was unbelievable, and it came at such an important moment for the Buckeyes. Yeah, I mean, do you think that, that Jackson likes to play Nebraska? I mean, between this and then <laughs> last year with the, with the toe touch, like that that in itself was unforgettable. And then this, he just, you know, obviously just was, was uncoverable. The fact that he basically left that defender on the ground just sitting there wondering what had happened. I mean, he's, he's a special player. There's a reason that, I mean, it was only a couple seconds but he held, you know, the Texas Texas record for all-time yards. Like, there's a reason for that, and he, and he continuously shows that. You now, obviously, when he's going to have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson getting the bulk of the attention, he's not going to have that. But then he obviously stepped up in a big way with with Wilson out today. Yeah, my my question is, you know, the Buckeye plane. Are they going to stop in Iowa? Because I think that's how many yards he got. He actually got to the <laughs> Iowa border of Nebraska. I mean, this kid accounted for 271 yards today in this game. I mean, he's such a great player. I mean, the other thing that we are talking about, he, he caught a punt today, Willie May style over the top of his shoulder. Like, you know, hard end over end. Get the punt that way. I mean, it's, it's, he tracks the ball. Oh, I missed it. Oh, I just got it back like this. I caught it. And then I decided to return it 21 yards. I mean, this is the Jackson Smith and Jagba is a special, special player. And I mean, Ohio state, Talk about hitting on a recruit and, you know, going down to the Lone Star State and doing that. It's really good special. Andrew, I agree with you. He has some kind of disdain for Nebraska. I don't know what it is. He just, he gets up for these games um, whenever they get ready to play. But uh, it was encouraging to see him just be so dominant today. You know, I believe it was the most receptions by a Buckeye ever in a, in a, in a single game. He uh, also had, you know, he was a couple yards off, uh, you know, really from the most yards in a game. But I mean, it's 271 yards of complete offense. Uh, of total offense for him. He is going to continue to develop, continue to grow. And I know this, Ryan Day is really excited when 11's on the field. I mean, he did. He had such a game today. I think the original box score guy gave gave Tariq Smith sack to him. So at one point, I think on the box score, he had a sack, he had, he had a touchdown, he had seven, you know, from all that standpoint. So, I mean, it's really interesting to see, you know, how they're going to continue to develop and continue to go with him. Um, as, as they continue to figure out ways to get him the football teams are going to kind of work on him. So, you know, a lot, it's going to open up for Olave. It's going to open it up 
you know, from that standpoint. And then one of the things I think we discovered today, and this is not from a negative site, why we have not seen more of Fleming and Harrison Jr. yet. Um, the moment was a little big for them today, I thought. I thought that they they looked like kind of deers in headlights. Um, Brennan, you were there. I know the environment had to be outstanding. I mean, it felt like it was vibrating on TV, so you were there. Um, you could probably attest to it better than anybody. But uh, it looked like those moments for those guys were a little too big um, at this point. Yeah, you know, 381 consecutive sellouts. There's nothing to do in Lincoln, Nebraska, other than support the Huskers. Um, and, and seriously, it, and it's not even just football. I mean, if you're just into college athletics – they have sold out like every volleyball match on campus. I, I'm, I'm only slightly exaggerating when I say ever. Uh, and their volleyball team's a top 10 team in the country, but that's like the hottest ticket in town. Brennan, um, they don't even have internet. Look at you right now. They don't even have internet. <laughs> <laughs> People here love to come out and, and support the Huskers. Um, and yeah, it, this was loud. This was, a, this was a big league stadium today. And CJ Stroud said after the game, yeah, this was probably the hardest, you know, road environment I've, I've had a chance to play in so far. Um, I agree with you. I thought, and frankly, I thought even Julian Fleming struggled a little bit today. Um, he did a good job of breaking up a would-be interception. I'd like to go back and see the replay, but I think on that first drive, the, the pick that he broke up, I actually thought was probably on him more than it was on CJ. Um, you know, give him credit for breaking it up, but you know, to, to your point, I'm glad you brought up the, the uh, punt return from Jackson Smith and Jigba. I was going to bring that up, too. I mean, as impressive as the 75-yard touchdown reception was, it's one thing to make a full extension grab, you know, on a spiraling pass, but an end-over-end punt in a game that, frankly, at that point, field position really mattered. And, and he saved the Buckeyes probably 30 yards of field position – not to mention that he returned to the punt 20 yards. Um, it was just an unbelievable athletic play. I mean, literally, I'm in the press box out loud. I said, wow. Um, you, like, it just, you, you, could, you could feel the, you know, the, the people kind of looking at each other going, did that really just happen um, on a punt? And, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that kid was so far and away the most valuable player on the field. Um, a, a huge, huge day and easily the, uh, the star of the game. I guess as, as we wrap this up here today, I just wanted to kind of assess for you guys. You know, I, I don't want to sound negative in saying this, but I think a lot of people are thinking about it. How close are you to feeling like you're hitting the panic button? Because you're winning, but these last two games now have not looked anywhere near what the previous four and, and even the game against Minnesota did. Um, I don't know if it's competition is certainly ratcheting up or if it's, you know, Hey, maybe, maybe the guys are still young and still trying to figure it out a little bit. Um, CJ did not look today. Like we've seen him. I, I think you might even argue this was his worst game back since he, you know, took the week off against Akron. He still threw for 400 yards. I'm not trying to kill him, but he made some bad decisions and on some incomplete passes today, made some really poor throws. Um, you know, he, he hasn't been as clean as he was the last month or so. So I'm just trying to figure out maybe where you guys are at on the, hey, are you know, is it time to panic considering that you got to start clicking here knowing what's coming? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that one thing that isn't really talked about enough is the fact that this was Ohio State's most difficult road game of the season. You know, this is really the environment that they haven't faced so far this season. Obviously, everybody was was juiced to get back for the Minnesota game, have people in the crowd and all that kind of stuff. But that game was never really, really close in any way at, at any point in that game. And then, you know, to go to Rutgers, to go to Indiana, like those are not the same atmosphere as this. So then once you do get in those situations where, you know, maybe things aren't going your way, you're kind of facing a, a real adversity for the first time where nobody is on your side. It's not like the Oregon game where they had, you know, Ohio State started to put some things together late and they had a crowd behind them and all that. You have the crowd completely against you. And, you know, when when things aren't going great, it only snowballs from there. So I think that this, you know, while it wasn't perfect in any way whatsoever, it is something that, you know, heading into these last couple of games, especially with the Michigan game being on the road, they might actually learn something from this and be able to take some positives from, from those things. I, I mean, I do think that, you know, like you said, this is CJ's worst game of the season. So, or well, the worst game, since he's been back, he obviously had two interceptions today um, and not after after going 15 touchdowns, zero interceptions in the four games prior to that. So, you know, he definitely had some struggles, but I think that, you know, those are things that maybe in a different situation, it does, you know, maybe he's not forcing it, you know, it, like, like Tommy said earlier too, a lot of that has to do with the run game. If you're not running the ball, if you're under pressure throughout the game, you're going to struggle and make those mistakes. So I don't necessarily put it on him. You know, it's, it's the fact that he threw the ball 50 plus times and those kind of things. And as for your question about panicking, you know, I, I don't think they're at that point yet. You know, I definitely think that if, if they come out and, and play this way against Purdue next week and Purdue is all of a sudden a three or six point win, then I'm like, uh, you know, I, I don't know how the last two games of the year are going to go because those are going to be the toughest games of the year. You know, and, and you really need to be playing your best game after that or, you know, playing really well during the Purdue game and heading into that stretch. So not quite there yet, but there are definitely some things that need worked on. Yeah, I think the oven's preheated. I'm not ready to uh, I'm not ready to throw the pizza in yet. I, I think right now where you look at these guys, they need to run the football better. And I know I said that in the opener. What I'd love to have seen today, and we'll talk more about this tomorrow, is more gap scheme runs. The Buckeyes got into their counter game a little bit. They were able to gain seven yards. Um, they actually ran, I think it was six yards actually with Master Teague. They ran a, a counter play that actually looked good for them. And the Buckeyes ran a ton of that at the beginning of the season. They've gone away from it. And I think that's something they need to come back to with their identity, especially with the way that they were playing today. Nebraska's defense, they bring that nickel. Uh, Jojo Doman, or uh, Doman, I should know his name, he yep. had a phenomenal yep. game today. He's always going to align to where the tight end's at. So that's why you saw Ryan Day move Jeremy Ruckert over different ways. Um, it's a similar defense where you, you make, sure, make sure that that nickel's always wherever that – wherever he's going to be. So what they did today, instead of flipping him or rocking and rolling those safety or rocking and rolling those linebackers when he motioned, they walked him up on the line of scrimmage. And when they walked him up on the line of scrimmage, it accounted for an extra hat that the Buckeyes did not anticipate in the run game. So, you know, really the gap scheme runs would have been able to help them a little bit more in that standpoint. And I think it's something probably going forward you're going to see these Buckeyes do. Defensively, the safeties need to play better. We did not talk as much about that. We'll discuss that a little bit more tomorrow. You know, I think that, you know, Ronnie Hickman makes a lot of plays, but I think Ronnie Hickman leaves a lot of yards out there on the field as well. Um, but one of the things that you're going to continue to see these Buckeyes do is really be able to be balanced, continue to go with Matt Barnes where these guys are covering in zone and they're really starting to play better. This defensive line is getting scarier and scarier every week. And this defensive line has gotten so much better. And it's unfortunate the offensive line hasn't matched that growth um, to this point in the season. And that's where really you hope to see the, both those lines going forward. Um, and and if, if they can kind of turn this around up front on the offensive line, I'm not saying the offensive line's bad, 
I'm just saying the last two weeks, have, they've struggled at different points of the game. It, it, you need to see them be a little bit more consistent. And what you're going to see is a better Ohio State football team and really the team that we thought we were going to see these last three weeks that would probably make this push to be in those Final Four and get a chance to play in the college football playoff. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Look, this is not uh... – it's not like full on, full blown. Sound the alarm bells. Things are not going well. Uh, but I, I liked your, uh, I like the way you put that. The oven's preheated, but I'm not throwing the pizza in quite yet. It's, uh, it, it hasn't been comfortable these last couple of games. And by the way, I know this is an Ohio State post game show. I just got a notification uh, that that popped up on my screen here. Uh, at the start of the third quarter, it's Purdue 21, Michigan State 14. So if you think for one second that just because Purdue, you know, isn't an unbeaten Michigan State or isn't, you know, the rivalry game and that that's a game that people are looking past, they've already beaten Iowa at Iowa. And apparently they've got, you know, they've got Michigan State right now on the ropes. Uh, I don't know if I'm a full-blown believer in Purdue's offense, although they've got a very good wide receiver in David Bell. Um, Their defense is playing very, very well. And Ohio State's got to figure out a way to get sharp and get healthy. I am certainly hopeful Garrett Wilson will get on the field next week because uh, even on a day where Jackson Smith and Jigba had a, a monster afternoon, I really felt like the Buckeyes missed Garrett Wilson um, at, at certain points this afternoon. Brandon, we're All tied right. up in West Lafayette. Tied up? Tied up. <laughs> Boilers, uh, Boilers, Boilermakers fumbled. Michigan State recovered. Uh, yeah, so interesting. I, uh, I appreciate the heads up. I didn't get that one. I just got the uh, the ESPN thing flashed across the top. You spoke it into existence. You spoke Sparty into existence. Well, um, hopefully we can uh, use that black magic somehow in Ohio State's favor moving forward here. That's our post-game instant analysis. We appreciate you joining us. I know the internet connection on my end was a little bit unstable, but uh, certainly enjoyed chatting with you and, and uh, looking forward to covering – uh, really, you know, three hugely important games coming this week uh, and the following couple. But um, at the end of the day, the Buckeyes did enough to win. You know, offensively, still work to do, but they still had a 495-yard day. Defensively, they gave up two touchdowns that were big monster plays, or I guess technically one was a one-yard run, but set up by a 60-yard bomb. Um, and beyond that, the defense did its job and held Nebraska to a field goal, and, and it's good to see that unit playing much better as the season's gone along. For Andrew Lind, for Tommy Zagorski, and for Eddie Murata, who did our production here this afternoon, I'm Brendan Gulick. We'll see you later from Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, tomorrow morning. Hope you'll join us for our What We Learned from Ohio State's win over Nebraska. The Buckeyes, a 26-17 winner. They are seven wins in a row, eight and one on the season and coming back home for the next two weeks.